Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Tez, Kill, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, the hot block commander. How you wanna end up on a two-hour show and keep the brain running with the premise of talk sports on a national level? Both with the topic, sort of like the rubber. When it's game time, they like the Fab Five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and greats. The 4 for 26, so the war ain't can wait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys, diversified and educated. Check, check. What's good, War Room family? You are once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports on the War Room Sports Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Dev McMillan, and I'm at the round table with my tag team partner. We got Jimmy the Blueprint. B. Austin is on hiatus this week. Look, man, Black America is buzzing about their visit to Wakanda this past weekend, and we had a competitive all-star game in the NBA for once, so settle in, keep it locked right here. And to get in on the all-ranging conversations, make sure you join us right now in the JW Philly Realty chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room, or join us on Facebook or Twitter at War Room Sports, or in the War Room Sports Game Time group on the GroupMe app. Make sure you do that if you want to get in on these conversations. You can also call us directly in about 30 minutes when we open up the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline. Number as usual is 323 one last thing, during the week when we're not live on the air, make sure you check out our episodes of the show at warroomsports.com. The Mothership, the War Room Sports mobile app, which is free on Android and iOS, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and most other places you do your podcast listening. What up, Jim? Um, quick question, man, before we get started. Who had the better performance on Sunday, Fergie or Black China? <clears throat> Yeah, I can't hear you. Yo. Yo. Dev? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I don't know what the hell's going on. Always something. Yo, how about that? I'm saying I'm like, yo, I got two different young know, men set up, but uh anyway, um to make a long story long, hopefully uh the people out there can hear us and we'll you know, we're still going live and recording, but what Did you even hear my question? I heard your question, and then you went like, um, son, you got kidnapped. <laughs> I think I did. But, um, but basically what happened uh, to me is I watched the uh, Fergie thing a couple times just to see how bad it was. And she was drawing, but it wasn't as bad as I originally thought. I think them laughing the way they did made it seem worse. Um, right. You know, you know, in its entirety. I can't say that I have. I can't say that I have it. But she's trash. <laughs> Yo, I mean, that's kind of the same way I feel about the Fergie thing. Like, when you listen to it, 
upon further review. It, it it wasn't that it was like terrible. We've heard singers who basically just couldn't sing trying to sing the national anthem. Fergie was just trying to do too much. She was trying to jazz it up. She was trying to sexy it up. But it's the national anthem. It's not a love song. You know what I'm saying? It's not a I'm trying to um, get some after I finish singing this type song. So I don't really understand what she was out to do with that whole thing. But maybe maybe she uh, maybe maybe she um, was inspired by the Marvin Gaye rendition at the All Star Game because that was definitely a soul song. Yeah. Henry did it. Um, R. Kelly made it a stepping song. Uh, you know, so people are trying. I, I, I've seen some. I forgot who it was, but somebody made it like a salsa song. So people have played with the national anthem before. But the thing is, when you when you do that, when you do that, it's like a risk reward thing. You're taking a high risk that it's going to come off of. Like you know, when Marvin did it, that was fire. But at the same time, it could have went the wrong way. So you, you're taking a chance, and her, you know, she failed epically. But um, she still didn't fail as bad as you, Black China. The Black China, you're trash. <laughs> Yo, she an embarrassment to everybody selling tummy tea. Yo, Dev. How bad? I just tried to switch microphones. So it didn't work. No, I, see, I, I didn't even get to see the other quote-unquote work of art that I heard wasn't really good art. Um, so, you know, I, I, I figured I'd ask you since. <laughs> you <miss nothing>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but real quick, back to the Fergie thing. Like, for me, I mean, even those guys, I think they were laughing just because she was doing too much. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like she mm-hmm. sounded terrible. So she could have got a do-over and just sang the song the right way even though most of us have never heard Fergie's singing voice in a, uh arena like that, I think she could have done okay. But look, there's only one Marvin, you know what I'm saying? There's only one dude on the face of this planet ever who can make the uh, yeah, national anthem true. into some foreplay for you and your girl. So no, <laughs> cut true. it out for you. That's true. But I, I guess the thing is if she would have sang it regular, it wouldn't have been memorable. So at least she's memorable. Because, you know, in 2018, right. that's all people care about. And then she ended that joint with, let's play some basketball. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like yo, she really trying to be remembered. Very that's how you make it Yeah. All right, so um, <laughs> that, that, that was the craziness that was Sunday night. I got to look at that other thing so I can compare myself and, and I can answer my own question <laughs> about performances and whatnot. But right now, we're going to talk about what happened this week while all you good people were out there on that grind. All right. Now, this to me, I don't know, it's popping back up in the news, but I didn't really think this was new news. But either way, you know, this is something that deserves props. Um, Manny Pacquiao uh, builds a 1,000 homes for poor Filipinos. So even either this is a news story that pops up every year or he builds another 1,000 every year. But either way, we know this dude is, you know, you can you can say a lot of things about dude, but you can't say he's not for his people. So, um, yeah, he, he, he's built a 1,000 homes for, for the poor people in the Philippines. I mean, a thousand is very admirable, but if we talk about poor people from the Philippines, he got a long way to go. But he can't save everybody. So, what are your thoughts on Manny Pacquiao um, and his um, good deeds? I think that I think that uh, Manny Pacquiao, um, you know, there's a lot that can be said good, a lot can be said bad. 
about uh, Manny Pacquiao. Um, but the one thing I will say is that um, he's kind of synonymous with his country at this point. I mean, doing good deeds for his country. Um, you know, looking at like a lot of different things, like because this is a, a nice vacation destination. But even when looking at that as a vacation destination, I'm like, yo, who Pacquiao? At? Like Pacquiao is literally synonymous with his country at this point. Um, so he's right. made them proud in, in several different ways. I mean, I've heard some slander about like you know him, him being you know in, in cahoots with the corrupt government. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of that, so I won't spread the rumor. But I just figured I'd drizzle that in here so y'all can look it up yourselves. But um, I know I know that even if he does do any bad, he does that definitely does good. Not that that excuses any bad. If if in fact he does do bad, because I don't know. But um, to make a long story even longer. Uh, Manny Pacquiao is, is has represented his country in an amazing way. Um, you know, considering he had made you know a lot of money and he could have acted different. Shout out to Adrian Broner, but instead he handled himself with class and took care of the, uh, the less fortunate. No doubt, no doubt. All right, in other news, your man Ray Caruth of you know hiring cats to kill my future baby moms while she's pregnant and hiding in the trunk fame um he's scheduled to be released from Sampson Correctional Institution in Clinton North Carolina on October 22nd he was originally sentenced to 18 to 24 years back in 2001 um after what i just said uh being found guilty of hiring Van Brett Watkins and Michael Kennedy to murder uh his then well, I can't even say girlfriend, the woman who was carrying his baby at the time. Uh, we spoke about this a few months ago, not actually about this story right here, but we spoke about the fact that his son, you know, has some problems that stem from that murder attempt. Um, he's been living with his grandmother while Ray Carruth has been in jail, but now that Ray Carruth is getting out of prison, he wants custody of his son. Um, you think he was on some major opioids while he was in prison, or do you think this is a legitimate, <laughs> the legitimate request? This this uh this story bothers me on so many levels because um, I, like I've I've seen stories with the grandmother and the young man um he's grown up, and I I mean the fact of the matter is you off his mom because of because of him essentially. Um, right. and now all of a sudden you get out, and, and I also know how the courts try to. Well, I mean, I don't want to get into a debate about whether it's the father or the mother, but a lot of times they do their best to keep the child uh, with the paternal parent. But at the same time, like, come on, cuz this is crazy. Like, I also don't know whether you're doing it for attention. I don't know what his motives are. Like, is he a changed person based upon the amount of time that he spent behind bars? Um, is he trolling? I have no idea what he's doing. This whole story just sounds crazy. Like, why would you want to remove him from the only place that he probably feels comfortable with at this time? Like, what is your purpose? Because even if you're about your son, is that the right move? Right. No, but like like you said, like, even if in the greatest circumstances that throughout his time in prison he became a changed man, a changed human being, I just don't expect a court. I don't expect the kid's grandmother. I don't I don't expect anybody to forgive him enough to put this child into the hands of Ray Carruth. Like he like you said, he may be an upstanding citizen for the rest of his life. But there's levels to this forgiveness thing because the the grandmother didn't even say 
you know, there's a lot that she could have said when he wrote this 15-page letter to her, you know, uh, apologizing and accepting responsibility for the murder conspiracy and expressing interest to gain custody of their son. There's a lot that the grandmother could have said publicly to him, you know, because a lot of people hold grudges for the rest of their lives. Like, I'm, I've, I've witnessed that firsthand in my life from some of my closest friends and family members. However, there's levels to this forgiveness thing. Like, she didn't go crazy on him. She said, she even said some positive things about him, but she also went back and said, you know, there's no way in the pits of Hades <laughs> is, you know, am I going to relinquish custody of this this child, you know, to rake a roof? And I agree with her on this. I mean, other things, you know, when mothers and fathers have problems and the custody, you know, sur- surrounds that, then fine. You know, sometimes the father should get a shot at that. But in this case, man, I, I can't even be on his side with this one. I think he should just come out. If there's anything, if there's anything that she's going to allow from him, any kind of contact, I think he should just take what he can get in this situation. Because, dude, you yeah. you had her daughter murdered so she wouldn't have this child. The child is, you know, a certain way because of that attempt. And this is, you know, this person raised this kid for 18 years. So, nah, nah, Ray, you're drunk. Yeah, but even if you, even if he's trying to play the uh, whole card of, you know, I want to do what's best for my son. Like, is your son coming with you? What's best for your son? Like, so I don't right. even understand. Like, I, I mean, no you know, <laughs> his whole perspective, his whole perspective is whack. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. But I mean, I, I really don't think there's a court out there. I mean, unless a judge just feels like you know, having a laugh with themselves, maybe having a, a trading places moment, you know, to judge, bet a dollar on, you know, if they did this, how how the outcome would be. Who knows? <laughs> All right, so um, in Chicago, the hockey team, the Blackhawks, have basically banned four fans for some racist taunts to Chicago, to I think it was a black player on the other team. I'm not sure. I had the article up, and I have no clue what I just did with it. But basically what they were saying to him, they were chanting things like basketball, you know, in the stereotypical fashion that black people are only good at things like basketball, you know, while this guy has dedicated his whole life to hockey. While you give me your opinion on it, I'll try to find it so I can give the exact details but what are your thoughts about this? I mean, we've seen this before in Philadelphia with Wayne Simmons, you know, in a preseason game one time. I think they were up in Canada or up in Buffalo, close enough. They were throwing bananas at the dude. Like, what's up with hockey fans? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing new, but. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where I'm not shocked. It's hockey, right? So, um, and I hate to, like, stereotype people because I love hockey. Uh I've actually been to hockey, um, you know, going over the um, games and matches because I don't want people who are hockey heads to come on my neck. Like, it's not a game, it's a match. I have no idea what you call it because um, I'm not a part of the culture. Um, because in a weird way, hockey is like a, um, a fringe sport at this point. Like, hockey used to be like a big sport. It still is a big sport, but it's like it's a it's its own culture. Like, when I, when I go to a Flyers game, it's literally like a whole different culture. But anyway, um, it's not shocking. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, MAGA boys that attend hockey matches. 
So it's pretty much not shocking at all. And in this environment, it's not shocking because a lot of these people feel emboldened where years past they wouldn't have done this. Um, right. But the fact that matters now, now deal with it. They had, first of all, they had great seats. They were right next to the penalty box. And that's when they were heckling him when he was inside the penalty box. And this was um, Washington Capitals forward Devontae Smith-Pelly. Um, so he was in the penalty box. And, and like I was saying earlier, the fans repeatedly chanted basketball. Um, he confronted the fans. I saw this on the video. Um, he had his stick. Um, but they were separated by the glass. But, you know, hockey players always scare me when they get angry because sometimes I think, man, that dude might forget for a split second that he's holding a big-ass stick. And um, <laughs> they might go crazy. But, um, yeah, he confronted them a little bit. And then, you know, he got back onto the ice. And at that time, the fans were escorted out. So they've been told that um, they're banned from all Chicago Blackhawks home games, and which is crazy because I don't know whether or not these people were season ticket holders because I mentioned to you how great their seats were. If you're banned, you know what I'm saying, and you're missing out, you're losing out on seats like they had, then mm -hmm. that's just a boneheaded move on their part. You know the society we live in these days. Whether or not they agree with you, <laughs> they have to do something to make it look like they care. So this is what happens. All right, yeah. yeah. They're bad. They're bad. <laughs> All right, so last but not least, while y'all are on the, on the grind, this is something that uh, actually hit close to home, very close to home. Uh, our high school, as a matter of fact, Super Bowl winning center from the Philadelphia Eagles, Jason Kelsey, uh, who's from Cleveland. Um, he used to actually play in the in the orchestra. Was it was it just a band or was it an orchestra? Either way, uh, his high school was touring, and they made a stop at the Great Central High School in Philadelphia on their tour. His old band director reached out to him had him meet them at the school, and he actually had a jam session with his old band and the people from uh, Central High School. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that was cool for both parties, being as though this high school, you know, you have somebody who just won the Super Bowl and has made himself very famous in the past few weeks with the stuff, you know, letting his hands go as far as his comments are concerned. And then you have kids from Central High School in Philly who are most likely, you know, most diehard Eagles fans, you know, they get to sit next mm -hmm. to and jam with somebody from the team that just brought the first Super Bowl home to the city. The girl that sat next to him while he was uh, playing, I believe he played the sax. She says she was terrified the whole time sitting next to a, a Super Bowl champion. So as a former, well, as, as Central High alum, what were your thoughts when you saw this story? No, I thought it was dope. I I don't understand why more athletes and entertainers or people who are just popular don't do a lot a lot of this. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say that because a lot of people do do this. But right. um, when you come from all walks walks of life, when you actually like you know give back in a way, when you give your time, that's probably more valuable to some people who just cut a check exactly. and never actually share their face. Because exactly. you don't know who you can inspire. Uh, you know, you never know who you can inspire with that, and you know, which is which is why our story later on is, uh, you know, interesting about, you know, the whole Black Panther thing, because you never know where someone gets inspired from. 
Right, and because you know, along that same, along those same lines, like you can, you can blindly give through your foundation. You can give money, and that money can be doled out and actually help people. But kind of like what you were just saying, like for some people that doesn't match just being able to spend time with somebody that you might idolize just for a little while. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't idolize them, you come to you may come to find out that somebody that you just happen to know is famous that you got to spend some time with is a really cool person. And that makes people's day sometimes. Like you never know what people are going through and what a little bit of time would um you know, do for their, their whole mood, their whole outlook at that at that particular time. So shout out to Jason Kelsey. You know, like I say, he's been letting his hands go lately. But He's making sure he's going. He's going to take his his bow. His bow. He's going to make the rounds. Um, he's going to be seen throughout the city, and and that's what you got to do. So shout out to him, and and shout out to to the great Central High School of Philadelphia. Not to be confused with that other Central High School. All right. So um, that's what happened this week, everybody. While y'all were on that good grind, Jim, get some quick birthday shout outs. It's definitely time to give some birthday shout outs because you know we gotta show love on people's birthday. Um the first birthday <laughs> the first birthday is one Rajon Rondo who turns thirty two. Not to be confused with Rondo number nine, but Rajon Rondo Happy turns thirty two. Damn Rondo thirty two. Yeah, it seemed like Rondo was a young boy like last week. Like you know, I forget how many. <laughs> he was the dude trying to prove himself to the big three in Boston, and now he's like yeah. that angry ass veteran that's always getting on somebody's mm-hmm. nerves and saying something because you know they feel once they get over a certain hump in their career, they can just let their hands go anytime they feel like it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm reading these birthdays right, and, and Charles O'Bannon is turning forty three. Um. The O'Bannon brothers, they weren't twins? One was older than you? No, Charles was the younger of the O'Bannon brothers. I think he was a year younger. A year? Okay, so it was a year year between them. Yeah. It was funny how his time was going in my head. I don't know why. of the two players as well. Yeah. Ed was way better than Charles. (laughs) Yeah. So Charles O'Bannon turns 43. But it's funny how as time passed, for some reason in my head, I don't know. It ended up being. Shout out to him. shout out to his brother Ed, you know, for all that he did for the the cause of college athletes not getting paid and stuff Yo, like that. But, so it, my but point. Their, their story, Jim, is so crazy because the O'Bannon brothers were a huge deal in college and then they just you know they just never <laughs> I don't know what happened on the next level, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of people you think are surefire, you know, they end up not being that. But a happy birthday yeah, to the young yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, Michael Chang Drop. turns 46. Tennis. Happy birthday, Michael Chang. Um, Mark Chamora turns the. I'm not going to call him hey. his nickname. Hey, boy, a pedophile or something? I don't know. I know his nickname was uh, Chewy, you know, Paul. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think he took that John literally or something. I think. Oh, 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 as a matter of fact, he was in a hot tub with some young Johns or something, wasn't he? 
Either that, or I think we did a story him. about him or some internet porn or some or something. Or was it like his, bad, his nanny or something? It was something. I don't want to give out no but fake he, news. He was. People I think out he there was telling him to was he? Let me okay, see. So he yeah, he was he was accused of sexually assaulting his former babysitter, but was acquitted of third degree sexual assault and child enticement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was something like that. You know, he got acquitted. So my bad, Mark. I didn't mean to call you a pedophile. I mean, I don't really, I mean you know, being acquitted doesn't mean that you're not, but they haven't proved I was getting ready to say like no 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 shots, but um you played football for the Packers and if you had to stand trial in Green Bay then I mean y'all figure it out. But, uh, right, right. Not a chance. He was gonna... <laughs> Not a chance. Yo, Jason Williams turns fifty. Damn. Man, he's had a hard Jason life. Williams. After getting a super payday, his life just went down the tube. <laughs> yeah. Shooting yeah. drivers by mistake, killing people, doing time. Yeah. I think he had like bouts with depression and mental illness and stuff like that. Yeah, shout out, him, shout out to him. Shout out to him making it to to fifty. Pretty much, Chris Dudley turns fifty three. NBA, worst, Chris Dudley, worst Dudley. foul shooter I can remember. Yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty terrible. He was pretty terrible. Um, VJ Singh turns fifty five. Mm-hmm. Ain't Tiger. Anyway, um, <laughs> say he ain't Tiger. I don't know. Yeah. He was black um, and dagger, though. Literally. These are, these are facts. <laughs> Other birthdays, we have our Julius the Doctor Irving turned 68. And when we had that and, scare a few months ago, we didn't think the Doc was going to make it to 68, man. Shout out to yeah, Doc. Yeah, I know. I thought he got poisoned for trying to free me. But anyway, um, <laughs> Chet Walker. Last but not least, Chet Walker turns a young 78, so salute to Chet Walker. We'd like to give a big War Room salute <laughs> to all these folks on their birthday or their birthday week. Salute from the War Room. Peace. Happy birthday. Yay! All right. <clears throat> so real quick, uh, before we get into these hot topics, you guys know the drill. If you listen, if you don't, you can check out our website, at ballroomsports.com. While you're there, take your time, look around, click on the Contact Us tab. You can send us a message about the company, the show, to inquire about sponsorship, advertising opportunities, or joining the network in any capacity for general inquiries. Email us, info at warroomsports.com. While you're browsing the site, take your time, click on the memorabilia tab, buy some War Room Sports merchandise, click the blog tab to read our latest articles in the All's Fair and Sports and War blog, then click the respective icons and tabs. To follow all of our social media platforms, to subscribe to our iTunes podcast, to watch our webcast at War Room Sports TV, and to download our free, yes, free, War Room Sports mobile app on Android or iOS to get everything I just mentioned on the go. Join the JW Philly Realty chat room right now during the show at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room. To enter the chat room, just sign up for a free profile on Blog Talk Radio. If you don't want to create an account, you don't have to. You can sign into your Facebook and Twitter accounts. And while you're at it, make sure you click follow because that will get you updates and reminders about the show and any changes to the show in any particular week. We'll be taking questions and reading posts from Facebook, Twitter, the chat room, the World Room Sports Game Time group on the GroupMe app, all of that during the show. If you want to call in and speak with us, the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline is now open at numbers 323-410-0012. 
Press 1 when prompted, but if you're already listening from your phone, just press 1 if you want to talk. And I think we got some calls on the line. We're going to get to them right after we pay a bill uh, for Hot Topics. Hot Topics brought to you by Sports the Book. You guys tired of reading the same old sports book with the same tired old list, rankings, imaginary starting lineups, people disrespecting Wilt Chamberlain because of the time he played in, all kinds of stuff that people pass off as facts without doing their research. Well, be sure to pick up your copy of Sports. Smart people only read the sports. It's a mixture of sports and hip-hop culture. will keep you on the edge of your seat. It'll keep you laughing. It'll keep you thinking. And it'll definitely make you say a few times, like, damn, that's a good idea. (laughs) So just go to sportsthebook.com or get your copy from our website, warroomsports.com. Wherever you get it, just make sure you don't miss the movement. And before we get into these hot topics, we're going to go to the phone line because we got the homie Tobias waiting. Tobias, you are in the war room, good brother. Roll damn tight. Roll down tight. And don't worry, I did not tattoo my lip. My lip was kind of like that one goon did. Uh, but <laughs> all right, good brother. Before I get on my Black Panther rant, I must say, Don't spoil because I don't see it. I'm not seeing it until Saturday, so you can rant, but don't spoil it. Man, man, you should have gone to a bootleg, man, like Beyonce did, man. That's what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I should have went to the fire stick with it. (laughs) Yeah. You know what, though? I'd have got got assassinated by black people if I'd have done that. (laughs) But you know what? It's like like LeBron was talking about, like, changing the playoff format. I should agree with him on that. They shouldn't change it. Keep it the way it is because there was time when the East was better than the West. And then you got to look at all that continuous travel over and over again. And, um, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Yeah. So, playoffs? <laughs> so I can think they should keep it the way it is right now because they got a lot of good young players in the East that's going to come in through their own. I think everyone's overreacting right now because the Golden State dynasty is not going to last forever. You know, Clay going to want his money soon. Everyone, no, I mean, Sharp calls Trayvon a Hall of Famer somehow. He will probably right. want his. Oh, I mean, Shannon Sharp, uh, Shannon Sharp makes everybody look great because he's using that to make LeBron look better. So he's going to say everybody LeBron had to face in his generation was like um, legends of the game. So you you can get where he's coming from on that. But, yeah, Jimmy and I are going to talk about that a little bit uh, later, about this whole playoff thing. But, yeah, just like every sport, it's pretty much cyclical. I think they're just starting to worry because the, you know, this cycle has been a a little bit longer than normal, I think, with the Western Conference dominance. Um, If not for LeBron super teaming up, couple of times and, you know, you know, a sprinkle here and there with an Eastern Conference team coming through and being able to handle what, what the West threw at them. You know, it would be a long, dominant run by the Western Conference. But um, I, I, I agree as well. I think they should leave it alone. But I still have some more context that I need to put into that discussion. So, yeah, Jimmy and I will tackle that a little bit later. What else you got, Tobias? Man, I was going to say also – is that Mark Cuban is in a whole lot of trouble. Hey, I wonder if you got anything to say about hoodies now. You look real scary about the hoodies. Anyway, uh, all Mark thing. had to say was trust the process. He had you to ain't lying. <laughs> you know he had to be all you know tough about it. 
<laughs> the thing that kills me, it's like it's about tanking. That's, the problem with tanking is two things. And I'm not totally against it because it's so hard to get a trade in the NBA and the players they won't go to the same location. The only problem I see is that they won't like back in the day when someone's 22. These kids are 19 right now. And sometimes he's 22, 23 before they even start being good now. Well, I see, but that's the point, that's though, the Tobias. Yeah. That's the point. That's why teams feel comfortable tanking because they got to wait for their talent that they pick up to, to become good anyway. It's not a lot of immediate impact superstar-type dudes coming into the league like there used to be when you get a lottery pick. So dudes have paid, you know, they have time, you know, to wait. And I think, like, in the Sixers' case, because they're, like, the biggest example of – tanking lately you know of course as a fan i liked it my whole thing was okay i don't if you're going to do that though just don't expect me to support you financially don't expect me to buy tickets don't expect me to buy merchandise you know things like that so it's a two-way street i'm going to sit here with you i'm going to be patient but you know i don't want to hear anybody complaining like oh nobody's coming to the games and this and that you can't expect that when when you're purposely doing something that's for the long-term good of the team, but still, you, you can't trot certain products out there and expect people to to want to pay for it. So I was I was good with that, but when you're trying to wait out the dynasties like Golden State and, you know, what any LeBron-led team is doing in the Eastern Conference, hey, I don't mind them being patient and letting their young talent develop because – if you go out now and get a bunch of free agents to add to that mix and, you know, you're going for it right now, all you're doing is wasting time and money. So, yeah, let them grow so when these dudes get a little bit older or these teams break up, you could be up next, possibly. You know, there's no guarantee, yeah, that's but true. you but could hey, be up next. <clears throat> yeah, uh, and my thing is, and that's why I look at it, people overreacting, people are panicking. You got to with the thing with the super teams, they don't last forever. Because everybody right. gonna want their money because they want to get older. Paid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because think about this. Clay gonna get his want his money. Everybody saying he's happy now. He gonna want his money. Raymond. Everybody saying. Well, then again, Joe Dumars got in the Hall of Fame. So everybody get in. Uh, you know, he put the long old ball stats, but he's supposed to be so great here. And Draymond might be better. Than what you think, Jimmy? I don't get me started on Shannon Sharp talking about. Well, you know, look at the stats. <laughs> what is that? that? But anyway, I'll talk about a Black Panther thing real quick. No spoilers here. Uh, I didn't hate hey, the movie. It don't matter. The only th- mm. But the only thing I know is that they kind of made T'Challa out to be Obama. <laughs> I was like, it was right. And also, <clears throat> the Wakandans reminded me of the black people, the Boo black folks. Man, these folks struggling. We ain't going to give them nothing. We're going to stay here by ourselves. And that, and, and, and like, that's what I got for the movie. And I just think that... Uh, so it was a good movie. I'm glad they, these black actors and actresses were getting some shine, but I don't think it should be the revolution like everybody making it out to be. All I got to say is, there's other black films out there in production. Hey, you got to show that same support as well because many of those same black actors and actresses you support in Black Panther are going to be doing those films as well. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of you know what I've been saying throughout the weekend when the frenzy was on. Like I. I I enjoy the frenzy. You know what I'm saying? Like we have those other films and, and it would be good to see this kind of energy, but 
being realistic, you know, none of those films are going to have the type of backing and the type of promotion, the type of marketing, just the popularity of a Marvel film. So for us to get a story on that big of a stage, and I haven't even seen it yet, but just to hear people getting so many messages out of it, it makes me think that Ryan Coogler, you know, they let him, they let him do his thing. You know, like the bow and boomerang. You have yeah. full autonomy. Like, it sounds like hey. they let him do his thing because people keep talking about all of these messages and they're making analogies to um, what the messages hey, mean. Fellas. Like, this is black black America. But you know, this but is you this know what, Tobias? So it, it, it's good to, to be able to be on that stage and actually get some real messages out rather because, than but, be a typical the comic book, shoot em up. Here, here's the Here's the thing. Here's the thing about that, though. I don't. I don't even know if it was a matter of him like um be giving full autonomy, but the source material is the same way, which is which all which is what always made Black Panther unique. But then on a, on a different level, th- that's what Marvel is kind of known for. Even if you look at the X Men or, or some of their other characters, um with Doctor Doom and, and some of the Marvel characters are Marvel is always there's always politics and and, and economics and things talked about within a Marvel movie. You know that you may or may not hear in a DC movie, which is to me would separate the two brands because DC is about just straight good and evil, where Superman is like you know this pure guy. You know what I mean? Whereas like with Marvel, even the bad guys have a little bit of good in them, and the good guys are, are flawed. Everybody's flawed. So to right, me, that's kind of what separates not those seen brands. Them, I've seen the arguments and debates on social media um, all week. Or on the message of Killmonger, where a lot of people were saying, you know what I'm saying, you know, he's the villain, but a lot of people were like, yo, I'm with him because his message was something that I can get down with. So, like you said, it wasn't just mm-hmm. straight up good versus evil. You have a villain where a lot of people are, you know, jumping to his message, like, yo, I'm feeling with Yeah, but, 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 but if you look at Marvel, if you look at Marvel, a lot of their characters are like that. Even if you look at, like, you know, Daredevil, like, I, I made a, a post a while ago that was kind of joking, but it was like, yo, on, on some level, I felt Kingpin, like, yo, y'all hating on Kingpin. He's the hero. Um, Kingpin was and if you look a, at, uh, Kingpin was all about his, his, his community. Hood. Like, yeah, yeah. Kingpin so, was so, but, trying to make Hell's Kitchen into I, a, a heavenly place. <laughs> Yo, but so but my my point is my point is that Marvel has always done that. If you look at the Punisher, we don't even know whether the Punisher is good or bad. Like, what is he? <laughs> the Punisher just but, be drawn, yeah. <laughs> he, he just kills people. But 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 the, but the fact of the matter is, my point is saying that uh, and Tobias and I, and I appreciate your comment. But it's like, um, you know, and me and Devil get into this. I guess we can get into this now. Yeah, we can start that, talking uh, now. Yeah, it's just that like Coogler stuck to the source material a lot. Like, there's different runs of the comic and you know as someone that grew up with the material I see where he pulled certain things from each run so it's obvious that he sat back and did his history because he had to for some of the stuff that he pulled for this movie um and I did see it I'm actually going to see it again this weekend cuz uh I'm drawing like that but um yeah I got some I got some tickets know. for Saturday morning and then I'm going to be out of town all week probably to uh you know if it's as good as everybody's saying it is I probably while I'm down in um, Orlando, I'll probably see it again just to waste some time since I'll be down there bored by myself. Um, but I mean, the fact that the fact of the matter is, like, it, it, it's fantasy, right? But but if you look at if you look at all the other movies and which records that it broke and which records it came close to breaking, all that's fantasy. 
fact of the matter. And that's one of the things I always too. So a lot of times, like this past week, I've seen all kinds of arguments and comments and things made on social media. I just refrain from saying anything because I just appreciate the fact that people are talking because people I haven't seen people talk like this, leaving a movie and having serious conversations, um, probably ever. <laughs> but. Uh, well, a lot of the people are having serious conversations, and a lot of the people have just turned into, you know, straight-up uh, nerds on the level of Comic-Con people. What I've noticed yeah. and, and what's, what I've been laughing at all week is, you know, looking at the costumes and the African garb and all of that kind of stuff people's been wearing to the theaters, mm-hmm. um, and then hear, then watching the two sides of people argue about that. Like, I, I saw people saying, oh, y'all doing too much, y'all, black people being extra. And then I see a lot of people with this defense saying, like, when white people dress up in Star Wars and Star Trek and Comic-Con, nobody bats an eye. I kind of think that argument is very flawed because I think we judge those people all the time. I know we laugh at mm-hmm. them, at least. Um, yeah. I was, I happened to be in Indianapolis once when there was uh, a Comic-Con event going on there. I guess it may have been regional because I think the, the, the national joint is maybe always in San Diego. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I'm mm-hmm. not a Comic-Con nerd. Um, See, so yeah, I just judged yeah. But I was on, I was going to a uh, uh, Colts game, but I guess the convention center and the stadium were like a block apart from each other, maybe two or three blocks apart from each other. So that crowd mixed. As we we're walking down to the game, it's a bunch of people walking around on the corner with, <laughs> with Darth Vader suits and all kinds mm-hmm. of aliens and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of the people that were walking by there, that's all they did the whole time during their walk was laugh at these people, point at these people and stuff like that. So I, I think mm-hmm. in this argument, some people get amnesia a little bit. And we yeah. always want to make that argument because if it's if it's a white person doing something to us, you know, we want to, you know, what we want to bring up there. If it's a black person, we want to make everybody into a coon. So it's like, you didn't say anything when the white people were doing this and doing that, but that's BS. Um, I think it's all funny, but I don't think it's, it's harmful. You know what I'm saying? I think, you know, people are having fun. They're doing what they want to do. So, you know, dress up in your, in your princely robes (laughs) and and, and go to Wakanda because everybody's been flying to Wakanda all week. Um, Myself, you know, I'm going to go on the Gambrails up the street in Maryland. <laughs> no. yo, but, but everybody I, else fl- flew to Wakanda. Yo, to me, it's um, to me, it's like, yo, do whatever makes you happy. Like, it, right. I, I, I definitely have seen like people. I've been in, in Philadelphia where the Comic Con comes. People are dressed up, and I've even been to a right. Comic Con in Philadelphia. I didn't dress up because that's just not what makes me happy. But at the same time, <laughs> like I do, like, I do, I do. And, but, I mean, I'm happy every time I walk outside of the house. There's just no judgment though, because part of me is like, part of me is like, um, it's like, damn, I wish I could actually be as free as those people because you. Right. So therefore, I we said that on you plenty of occasions. Like you know how much you what? more fun in life, and maybe shoot, how much more money in life we could make if we just decided to be corny all of a sudden. I mean, I mean, as, yeah. as I get older, I get cornier anyway, but. It's Absolutely. a different level of corny to do certain things the that corny, the cor- I'm not willing to do, but, but corny people have a lot of fun. You know what I'm saying? They I mean, cor- here's, but here's the thing. like, What I recognize is corny is subjective, right? So right. we were raised a certain way and in a certain environment and within a certain culture, so there's certain things that we won't do. 
But they may look at us as being corny for that because they feel free because they can do whatever it is they want to do. Doesn't mean right. I won't laugh they would at them. They say something um, like, "You corny because you worrying about what other people think." So you know that's corny. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So my yeah, thing I, is, corny is, off, corny is all subjective. I didn't judge anyone that went to the movie theater that you know that, that did what they did because you know I found it to be actually funny. Um, and you know some of the stuff was actually dope. And so, you know, but to me it's like this I whole experience. Is I think coming to America got a, a a breath of fresh air throughout this whole thing. Cause everybody yeah, was looking like they were from Zamunda. So which is <laughs> coming which to is America might get a boost in their little DVD sales or something. <laughs> which is amazing because like there's rumors of that coming back, and I guarantee you, if yeah. it does come back, they're going to get the same kind of response. So, um, and I think it's also I, yeah, they, something they too. Like, I think it's also something too. If you look at um you know, quote unquote nerd culture and nerd culture is becoming um more melanated. There's so many things. I mean, there there's yeah. a there's a uh, there's Wait, a comic book store in, there's a comic <laughs> book store in Philadelphia. The comic book store in Philadelphia owned by a black woman. And when you go in there it's like it's funny because even before this whole Black Panther thing, like you see black people who are into comics and into those things. So I think that within the culture is becoming more acceptable. So to me the whole thing with Panther is it was complete perfect timing in terms of the black consciousness that's currently going around within our, our culture and also just how more accepting it is of quote unquote nerd culture. Like it just is what it is. Um and and, and for me this whole experience has been weird because I have a relationship with the the source material and it's like I, you know, so I, I sit back and I'm just I'm just really observing. I really haven't posted anything on any of my um social media I didn't even post that I've seen the movie. I just I'm enjoying the, the dialogue that is created. Um, I'm enjoying uh, you know seeing people's perspective, uh, only if they have a point. Because I've seen I've seen great points on both sides of an argument, but then you see people that just like completely hate. Look at y'all, y'all stupid, y'all this, and they've never even seen the movie. So, and that's that's kind of what bothers me. It's like, yo, why do you care if somebody else is happy? Even if you don't agree with what they're doing, if they're happy, why do you care? Like, and for me, like, yeah, I haven't engaged in much anyway. I mean, I haven't seen it, so there wasn't, there's not a lot for me to engage in unless it was me, like, saying something, you know, hateful about how people are dressing or, you know, whatever. (laughs) So I I, I haven't said anything. Um, And kind of like you, when I see the movie in a couple of days, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to say much. I mean, we have our platform, so we can get our opinion off, you know, every every Thursday evening when we feel like it, and anybody who wants to call up and talk to us can feel free to do that. But, yeah, I, I probably won't get in on that because, first of all, yo, it's, it's a really sensitive topic right now. <laughs> it's a really yeah. sensitive topic. So, you know, you, you don't feel like going through what you would go through just by saying the wrong thing. One time, like mm-hmm. you know, I'm, you know me. I don't, I don't like the disrespect. I had to put my hands on somebody because they saying some stuff over online about yeah. a movie. But no, I just really, I really hope that it's as good as, and the messages are as rich as everybody says that. So you know, have been saying because we all knew from the door, and and a lot of us admitted this. Like, look, man, even if Black Panther didn't hit the mark. We still gonna say it's the greatest thing ever, but but I'm starting to think by listening to some of the people that it really did hit the mark, and we don't even no, have it, it did. on the job. He did, he did, he did an amazing job. Like I said, it's weird because 
you can see where he went back and pulled all the great parts from different runs. Because different runs, all of them have dry spots because you're telling a long story through comics. So what he did was he found a way to kind of like um, amalgamate all those things and make it a whole new story because he did make certain changes which aren't, you know, they aren't in the books, but he made changes. But the funny thing is the changes he made actually made the story better. Um, I was talking with uh, our brother Phil Maddock over the weekend, and we were going over. He was asking certain questions like, well, what was really in the book? What wasn't in the book? Um, and I was telling him certain stuff that wasn't in the book. And he's like, wow. I'm like, yeah, but the crazy part is the stuff that wasn't in the book that he changed for the movie made the story better. So he did an amazing job um, in terms of directing and writing this movie. And it is filled with a lot of different messages, and, and, and you can't come out of it. like. And that's another reason why I want to see it again, to see how I take it personally. Um, you know, because I see the arguments going back. But I, it's funny, though, the whole funny thing to me is, like, because there, there's a battle even within, like, you know, my heart with this whole thing uh, in terms of, you know, I, I saw the Eagles parade, right, and I seen Black Panther, and I seen our people kind of, like, um, you know, get together and, 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 and move as one, and it's like, wow, what if we could do that for this? But I also know, I also know and understand that you can't, like, put, you know, your feelings and your expectations on other people. Right. You just can't do that. Yeah, you know you what I mean. So like, your, I understand, mm-hmm. but I so love. I understand both sides. Of it. So so when people are complaining about that, I understand that. But then all at the same time, I'm telling them like, you got to let people do like you know do what they want. You just have to. You know what I mean? Because the fact of the matter is, we we live in a world today where, um, although you know it's argued whether we're free or not, and I can make the argument that we're still slaves from a mental standpoint. Um, but the difference is, yo, a lot of us are just too comfortable to do anything that's really revolutionary. If we're talking about some of the um, imagery and stuff from the books or just in real life, because um, poor poor folks in America got iPhone. So um, we ain't really about that life. Uh, <laughs> yo, we really not about that life. But um, I don't want to get too deep into it. But just going back to the movie, though, man, I think, you de- I think you'll definitely enjoy it. I'm interested to see how you feel because of all the things that you've seen on social media, like – Sometimes you you ever see somebody tell you about a restaurant or something, and, and they and they tell you how great it is, and they gas it yeah. to the point where when you go there, yeah, your like, expectations are so high. You be like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yo, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like when someone gas a restaurant, that's the worst when someone gas a restaurant. He's like, yo, you didn't say anything. This would have been amazing, but because you put so much gasoline on it, like, you know what I mean? But um, that's so why I'm not used to used this position, like. When something big happens or something big comes out, you know, I'm, I'm not used to being a late adapter because I'd be trying to stay away from getting overhyped and, you know, it's falling yeah. short of my expectations. But, no, it, it really – first of all, I'm one of those people that and, – and, you know, call me biased. I can watch stuff with black faces on the screen at any given time. You know me. Like, I, y- mm-hmm. y'all have clowned me for some of the dumbass movies that I will sit and, and watch multiple times. And, and some Shout of them are just like, oh, I, can, I can just watch it because it got black people in it. And, you know, <laughs> so, so see, the thing is, a lot, the and a lot of people plus. don't. And if it's really good, that'll be icing on the cake. A lot of people, a lot of people don't understand why representation matters and how seeing someone that looks like you on the screen gives you a certain feeling like as much as right, I hate like I've, I've seen you know, the other feeling, side say some stuff about how we're yeah, and it's like yo y'all, y'all y'all will never understand that because y'all have had it forever but it does do yeah, something they never even have proud. to think about that Jim because they've always like it's they're used to it like 
there's never a thought in a white person's mind like, oh, man, we're being represented nice here because that's just the norm. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to like, think about it. <laughs> and they don't understand how how um, how much how how tired we are of the slave narrative. How right. how um, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's crazy because and, and it's interesting, right? Because um, uh, I was talking to my wife and she was talking about like um her experience where she met someone who literally never been around a black person. I'm like, how is it 2018 and you're not around a black person before? We were just <laughs> having a conversation, and what's interesting when you meet people like that is their perception is totally based on media. Right, we we look at media as just entertainment and things, but these images have power. So a lot of times when you meet people who don't spend time within our community or our culture, they think we act one way. They think that you know right, because the media, media shapes all the, the narratives. Negative. You know, absolutely, and people don't understand it. They think that we're just making this up, and it's not. It's true. You know what I mean? Like it's funny because I was thinking about this past weekend. I shot to everybody who uh, was at the annual Warren Sports uh, Cabin Retreat. There was a bunch yes, of sir. us in there, like you know, ten, twelve people in there who are all African American, who are all like college graduates with postgraduate degrees and all kinds of all kinds of craziness. And I'm yeah, like, it's nobody funny would because expect that kind of get together. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sitting there. I, I was sitting there in the middle of it. I'm like, you know, it's crazy because um, you know, Yakubian will come in here and be like, yo, like this is not what they see because this is not what's portrayed. But we're out here. So, you know, um, the great thing about black culture is we are our one way. Like, we're all not thugs. I'm not saying we don't have thugs. We all are drug dealers. I'm not saying we don't have drug dealers. But we have doctors. We have lawyers. We have, now we got superheroes. Like, we have everything. We're, we're a fully represented people. So, you know, to me, it, this is an amazing time just in, um, in Hollywood or whatever. But I don't let it cloud my judgment of uh, the big picture, so to speak, because a lot of times people say that they're giving you this so they can do these other things. But I, I kind of get offended by that too because it's like you can only pay attention to one thing at one time. Like I can I can be quote unquote woke and understand what's going on here. Yeah, I hate the whole, I hate the whole distraction talk because the distraction talk, you know, it, it lends itself to us being stupid. Like we're not stupid. Like I can, you know, we can take care of more than one thing at the at the same time. Like I can't stand I with that. our people. I you that. know, basically, talks that distraction talk like. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. distracted. I hate like, that. You know, I got two computers in front of my face right now. What you want me to look up? <laughs> <laughs> like I can be, I can be excited for like you know for for Issa Rae and Atlanta and Black Panther and all these great all this great melanated uh, you know entertainment coming out and also understand that our people still have work to do on a, a, a local level. I can I can I can do both things. Like so, right. I hate that whole distract talk. So if any of y'all listen out there that um. You know, I just asked you the other day, Jim. You know, we just had a brief conversation the other day that Flint still ain't got clean water. We know that, yeah. But we still happy about Black Panther, like you know. Yeah. You know. We could do more than one thing. But representation still goes, does matter. We can still send some more water. But. <laughs> it's crazy to see like the young kids, right? You see the young kids talking about Black Panther and all that. That, that to me is crazy, like because. The thing about it is, and it's another, no more shots at DC. A lot of people love DC, but yo, Marvel just has better. Marvel has better black superheroes. So there's other black superheroes, you know what I mean, like like that are out here in Marvel. Like whether it be a Luke Cage who already got his, uh, he already got his just due. Um, so you seeing him already made. You got a uh, you know characters that haven't been made, such as like Blue Marvel, who's a hero, um, who's an amazing black hero. So I want to know what the success with this. Like, will they? I mean, Luke Cage probably has already come back out anyway. But like, will they take some of the other black heroes and, uh, you know, and put them up? 
you know, I, it, it, what's going to really be telling though is, um, and people who read the comics know that uh, Captain America, um, not Captain, America, I'm gonna say um, <laughs> Iron Man, uh, eventually is um, a black guy. So I want to see when they start taking the characters that are white and, and making them black guys, what their response is going to be to that, because that's going to be interesting. Yeah, and and speaking of the DC thing, like for me, I, you know, I, I like Marvel and DC um, uh, characters. But you you, you would be a fool to sit here and try to act like Marvel doesn't make more exciting, better done movies than, you know, the DC world is making right now. Um, Shoot, they got some of my favorite guys over there, but the movies be boring as hell. (laughs) Like that, like, I was hyped for for Batman versus Superman. And then, like, that was utter garbage. 40 minutes in, I was like, yo, seriously? (laughs) Like, that was utter garbage. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I think I think that, I think that like for me, like looking at both of them, I've always been a bigger Marvel fan in DC because like like DC has just been like, yo, I'm good. Like Superman was like did did no wrong. Like and that's just not realistic. And Marvel to Marvel over the years always like you know um, presses the button. I'm not people to say, well, that's that's Marvel. They own my way people and all that. But you know they're liberal because I mean there's there's a new run of a uh, uh, they have a character named Miss Marvel, right? Who's a superhero, female superhero, but she's Muslim, and like she's a Muslim superhero. Female, you can't say that. Oh, my fault. I apologize. She's a woman. She's a woman superhero. I forgot. I can't use the word female. My apologies. Oh, I, can't, I can't talk about her stuff. Uh, but she, she's a, she's a woman. She's a woman <laughs> uh, near, superhero. You damn near called her a midget. Over time. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> my point is, I don't know how long that's going to take to get on the screen. Another hundred years for them to put that on the screen. Uh, but the thing is, you know, with their books, they do they do um, try to uh, – they're very progressive. Let's put it that way. So we'll see where this leads in terms of more opportunities, um, what other stories are going to get a chance to be told because, uh, you know, this had a big budget behind it and everything. So we'll definitely probably see another one. Uh, and also and, to and see how we react with this part two. We do we kind of come out right. the same way. Like what do we do? Same. That's going to be like interesting. Charlamagne was saying, I want to see that same energy. <laughs> we got to keep yeah. that energy up because if y'all want to see more see of this that. on the screen, then we kind of got to prove ourselves. So you know, it's 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 you know, it's disappointing that you know we're still living in a time where we have to prove ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. But we we know what it is in Hollywood, and you know until that. Day when we're long gone and that power shifts, this is the things that that we have to do right now. We yeah. got to come out for our own. When we're represented, yeah. we got to represent. So burn Hollywood, burn, yo. burn Hollywood, burn. I smell a rock. Yo, shout to shout to Chuck B, man, because well, Hollywood about is to move to Atlanta anyway. Atlanta making so as many movies as Hollywood these days. <laughs> pretty much, well, as, that's, as, that's, as life goes on, as life goes on, and things happen politically. Um, in the world, it makes me realize just how important and how like remarkable Chuck D was. Because Chuck D used to speak on real issues. Like, oh, yeah. as time goes on, I, I definitely I appreciate him more as time goes on. Chuck D literally. That's why I be Chuck D literally top ten, and people be calling me all kinds of names, but I stick with that. Yo, Chuck D is literally like a um, he's literally um, a Mega Evers, Martin Luther King, Michael Max with bars. Like, and I know people gonna get mad at that, uh, but if you if you go back and see like some of the things, anyway, anyway, let's just move forward. I'm looking at this monitor. Our, our team starting to catch up with Trey Young. And off subject, 
Shout out to uh, Hank and Survive, who are in the War Room Sports Game Time app, and for the last hour or so, they've been in talks trying to hammer out a trade um, to get Kawhi Leonard <laughs> onto the Sixers. <laughs> I mean, they're, like they're really trying to hammer out this trade as if they're the real GMs of the team. So make it happen, Hank, because you know we can get the Yo. mute, a healthy mute. On the Sixers squad, you know, I'd be willing to give up one of them young pieces like Dario and MF Doom. Um, shout out to Markel Fultz. But, um, yeah, so last thing about Black Panther real quick. You know, it, it had the box office in a headlock throughout the weekend. Um, worldwide box office. They said it was a slow rollout overseas, um, but it was a record-shattering domestic uh, rollout. Um over the weekend, I think it made four hundred twenty-six million at the worldwide box office, um, and it's, it's by it said by the close of business on Sunday, um, it will have leaped into the top twelve all-time superhero groups in North America, if not higher, and a worldwide tally that's going to be approaching six hundred plus million dollars. So represents like we said, rapper freaking Zent. I think the four-day domestic no. total was like two hundred and forty-one million, because they were counting Thursday, because you know they dropped. That's when you saw it. They dropped it on on a Thursday. Yeah, so shout yeah, out to man. everybody who who took that flight to Wakanda. <laughs> all I'm gonna say is this, man. All I'm gonna say is this, man. As a um, as a Disney shareholder, I definitely need y'all to keep that same energy. <laughs> no diggity, no doubt. All right, real quick to the NFL, man, and, and you can speak on this. This is not even a, um, you know, anything that you had to see the season to know about. But you know, Deuce Staley has been the running backs coach um, in Philly for the last few coaching regimes. He's been kind of a constant. So he was up again. He interviewed for the offensive coordinator job. Uh, was he and uh, Mike Grow? Mike Grow got the job over Deuce, even though Mike Grow had only been an assistant coach for a year with, with Philly. Um, I'm starting to think these interviews with Deuce and his offensive coordinator position, I think, you know, they probably got Rooney Rule. That probably goes down to that level as well. And I think Deuce, every year for the Philadelphia Eagles, basically satisfied their Rooney Rule commitment because he keeps getting passed over. So what they did this week, they promoted – and I have air quotes up. Y'all can't see that because, you know, we still ain't hit the simulcast, you know, on our show yet. But I got the air quotes up when I say promoted Deuce Staley to assistant head coach. And every time I see that moniker on a team, I'm like, it's BS, first of all. <laughs> you know, you have the head man. This guy, you can say assistant all you want, and this assistant might not be anything more than your administrative assistant in any other business. But do you think this was just just a title that they're giving him because they keep overlooking him, because they keep, you know, hiring people in the position that he obviously wants to, to have on this team? Or do you think there's going to really be something to this, quote-unquote, assistant head coach position? I mean, at this point, Deuce has been there so long. I mean, like you said, working with several coaches for the same organization. And it, it's, it's starting to appear like it is bringing them in just for that reason. It, it reminds you of um, those old movies with the slaves where the master says, soon as you do X, Y, Z, I'm going to give you your freedom papers. And then like, he keeps moving the carrot every time. Well, no, I mean, you did that, but now you got to do this. 
Right, so it kind of it kind of reminds me of that, and I don't know what Deuce can do to get that job, but it's weird though because I also can't picture Deuce as offensive coordinator. Like I don't know um, how involved he is in calling plays now, um, or what kind of a have they ever even given the opportunity to call even a um, set? Like I don't know. I, I mean, I just right. don't know. But I can't really picture him as an OC. But what would an OC do on this team anyway? Because the, the head coach calls the plays, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. This is one of those teams where, you know, the offense is basically the offense of the head coach. So it's kind of like everybody, <laughs> they're, offensively, their positions are kind of token anyway. But yeah. but as a resume builder, I still think offensive coordinator is still going to get you a little farther than assistant head coach simply, cause, simply yeah. because I think people know, like, man, they just throw that title around for cats who don't get jobs that they that they, you know, mm-hmm. interviewed for. And Mike Grow was the Eagles' wide receivers coach for one year. Deuce has been the running backs coach for several years. So, you know, a lot of people definitely would think, like, okay, this is, uh, you know, it's it's not right. But as you just said, like, picturing Deuce in that position, do we even know that Deuce is qualified for that position? Do we even know that Mike Grow? Is is qualified for that position? Like we don't, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just think Deuce gets this Rooney Rule situation played out with him in Philly every year, but he keeps staying. So if Deuce likes it, I love it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the running backs, including Legarrette, Legarrette Blunt, recently said he'd like to stay in Philly because Deuce is the best coach he's ever had. I think that probably has a lot to do with Deuce being like. A young bull like Deuce. <laughs> Deuce went straight from the field to coaching running back, so they probably, you know, they can probably relate to Deuce a little bit more. He probably talks to them in a different way. You can tell that by the way he celebrates with him. You know, he'll run out, give you a chest bump if you do something good, a, a flying chest bump. So I, I can see why My Deuce would be a player's has, coach. Has any other team inquired about his services while his tenure with the Eagles? Like. Um, or is obviously he just like kept in house? <laughs> yeah, like obviously not. Yeah, Ain't nobody else Rooney ruling Deuce. So, so I guess you thing. know he has stay where he's wanted at least. Maybe not wanted in the capacity capacity that he would like, but no. In house Rooney rule. And I'm wondering if the owner says that. Like Deuce is one of my dudes. Whatever coach comes in, y'all got to keep Deuce. He at least has to be your running back coach. Either way, I wonder. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Deuce because he 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 kept a job. Like you know what I'm saying. A lot of yeah, brothers out here looking for jobs. Deuce 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 might have hold on to a job at least. Um, so, no but I hope he eventually gets his uh, opportunity to um do something. All right, we got a, another call waiting on the line. We got the homie Rob out in Cali. Rob, what's going on? You in the war room, good brother? What's up, man? I'm all right, man. Uh, not was weighing so much, man. I thought it was pregnant, man. But anyways, yo, man, what's good? Man? How you doing? <laughs> what's yeah. up, Rob? The dunk competition is back. You know, uh, I'll give, I'll, I'll give you it that. So? I, I that jump was trash. It was, <laughs> it, it was. I had to look over again because I thought. First, I, really, I thought, you know, this is, this is kind of Laker bias. I thought, I kind of thought Larry Nance Jr. was 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 robbed because he was white. But 
the last dunk <laughs> that Homeboy did. Yeah, yeah, I said that. I did not say that. Yeah. I said what I said, you know. I, but you know what, Rob? Yesterday. To give you some credit, I, I've heard that from a few people. I heard that he's white? say, like, it was better the second time I looked at it. Like, I'm not interested in looking at it again, so I probably could never give you that, that perspective. But I did hear a few people say that it was better the second time they did. I, I don't – like, for me, from what I saw, because, you know, we were basically embroiled in a, a party while it was on, but but from what I saw, it it just seemed like the judges were a little desperate. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, they were giving out 50. Like, precedent has been set with the 50, and and the judges don't seem to follow that. You know, you look back at certain contests, and you're like, if that was a 50, there's no way that this could have been a 50. And it's sometimes so, the same judges. And, they, you know, they're yeah, doing this. Yeah, you got DJ Khaled really judging a dunk contest. You have DJ Khaled <laughs> judging a dunk contest. So at right. that point – um, and it's probably even a deeper discussion than that. Like, the All-Star is not even about sports anymore. This is pure entertainment. DJ right. Khaled has never dunked in his life. Oh, wow. And I can't front. There is a love affair. And every other time I bring it up, I know Jimmy going to think I don't like dude. I actually think dude is tough. But there's definitely a love affair in the league with Donovan Mitchell right now. Um, like, I think and – I, and I saw him talk. You know what I'm saying? I saw the interview with they they did with like the top four or five rookies right now was like Mitchell, um, Ben Simmons, uh, Tatum, and uh, somebody else was sitting there too. Maybe Laurie Markkinen. And you know, you you watch him talk, and then you you know his game. Like you can't help but to root for the kid. But there's definitely a bit of a bit of a campaign right now to bring him to the forefront. Um, like I told Jimmy before, like I think if they don't outright give him the rookie of the year, it's at least going to be a co-rookie of the year with, with him, uh, him and Ben Simmons because I'm looking at it this way. Like Ben Simmons is not not officially a part of this class. So if they could get somebody who's actually from the class to put up some numbers that are comparable – I think I think they would want to give it to him, and right now Mitchell is definitely that guy, and he has the Jazz playing to a level that no one thought they would be right now with you know Gordon Hayward leaving, um, and and them having to navigate through that Western Conference. So I'd definitely give him his props, but it it, Yo, I'm not, it definitely seems I'm not like people are like trying to make Donovan Mitchell into that next household name. So some of them. I'm not, I'm not gonna hold you. <laughs> It, it, I, I forget the dunk contest, but I, if I had a vote, I, my vote would be for Mitchell. It wouldn't even be for Cole. And the thing is, I love Ben Simmons' pause. Um, I think that he's an amazing class. talent. But, but it's also a situation where I feel like this will be one of those years, um, sort of like when Oscar averaged a triple-double and Will averaged 50 and neither one of them won the MVP. It's like right. you – or, or even looking back, not even that far, but when you look at last year when um when James <laughs> Harden – <laughs> yeah, when James Harden destroyed the league, but the fact of the matter is, like, you just had another guy who was, you know, playing at that level. So, right. uh, watching right. him play, he has a he has a certain it's like a James certain Harden like energy he has. You never the triple double like my huh? man Westbrook. No, no, but my point my point is like Ben Simmons has more triple doubles than any uh, rookie uh, since Magic, and he's putting up tremendous numbers. 
But um, you know, and, and also I think that Joel and B kind of like takes a little bit of shine to, away from them. I was about to say they're going to punish him for having Joel and Bead on his team because you're going to look so at it's, wins it's, it's, and you're going to be like, okay, the Sixers might end up in the playoffs um, by the time the race is said and done. But a lot of people are going to look at Joel and Bead, you know, for that. But he, but but yeah. but, but I, I I would say Ben Simmons. Mitchell don't have a Joel and Bead. Yo, Ben Simmons' presence is more is more uh, is more like there than Joel B. Joel B. didn't even play a full season, like you know what I'm saying? Or, or wait, you said Mitch, what? You said Simmons is what? He has more of a stronger like like, like I know people will say yeah he has Joel B. on his team, but Ben Simmons' presence is I I I, I would say a little bit more because nah. because he plays more. I mean I mean, nah. I mean Joel B. Yes, he's young legend. Who flops everywhere, but you know, Ben Simmons <laughs> is, you know, you know, is is there, and, and it, the the dude got the dude got game. I mean, no, I mean, no, 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 but, no. but it's it's clear who, you know, if you want to go for that, you know, that whose team is it? I, I hate that phrase, but it's clear who the primary reason yeah. for the Sixers' yeah. little bit of success is. It's clear Joel Embiid is at the top of that pecking order. Very clear. Who was seeing how many know games they won? About Rob. They only won like one when game. When you, when you watch them play, he is a difference maker. Like, like, and I and I and I love. I love, I'm not trying to Ben Simmons. I think he's an amazing talent. But you yeah. know, Joel Embiid has the ability. Like, you know, if he can stay healthy, and that's always a knock. If he can stay healthy, to be an all-time great player. Like, it's clear to me watching them play. When he comes in, they're a different team. When he's not in the game, and, they have a difficult time scoring. I about to say, and Ben Simmons tends to disappear offensively for, you know, points in the game. What, what they don't talk about with Ben Simmons that they should be talking about is his defense. He's a better defender yeah. than most do, you know, during their rookie year. And it's not just, you know, he's really guarding some of these point guards, like, when he's playing a point guard and he's actually guarding some too, and he does a pretty good job, that's the part of his game that they don't talk about um, as, as much as they should. But if you look at a Donovan Mitchell, you know what I'm saying, he he's not disappearing from the offense much, and he's doing a lot of stuff in the clutch of certain games as well. So Ben Simmons, just off God-given talent, size, ability, like his numbers are going to be up there, but – you know, his impact, you know, it, it might be something, too. Like, I hate punishing people because they happen to have a good player on their team, but it may be something to that. When they start matching up who's more responsible for their teams making a, a, a jump or making an unexpected um, amount of wins, you might have to end up giving that to Donovan Mitchell. I'll, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll a quick point. I want to jump around a quick point. Uh, my brother, like I said on Facebook, he is in Black Panther, and um, uh, he he's in the. I ain't gonna say which team, but you're gonna see. I'm gonna give it Your away. Twin? We, we, we see a scene with a bunch of brothers and sisters. He's he's in one of those things, but one okay. one group of people uh, overshot another group of people. I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna get details on that, but um. Even on set, it was very a prideful thing, you know. Um, you know, uh, just you know, be, being around a bu- bunch of brothers and sisters, you know, enhancing your your Africans or your African ancestry. 
it was um it, it was a beautiful thing from from a comic book perspective i think people like get caught up in they, they forget that Wakanda, and, and I guess Ron Bell because he's a comic book guy they forget that Wakanda was very hidden therefore their resources are hidden and that's how they remain uh, effective and you know Van Gogh don't fix it but, but we can discuss that like when Dev sees the movie and, yeah know, we, we can discuss it next week because I'm going to see it this and, weekend uh, you know Deuce Daly was robbed you know I call white privilege <laughs> on this one I, I call white privilege I was disgusted I like Doug Peterson, but come on, man. I mean, you look at Michelle McCoy, who, 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 who was very slow to get in the hole. People, and I never forget this. And Deuce Day had to challenge him, or even on pass blocking. You know, I mean, the worst pass block on the team this year is freaking Kenyon Barner, which is the reason why freaking uh, Carson Wentz made that freaking escape in Washington Redskins. Um, but 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 that thing from tip from him, Chris Polk, uh quite Darren Sproles. Um, all these guys have been effective and I I think it's a travesty. It's a it's white privilege was the reason why he hadn't you know, he doesn't get the offensive corner job. It disgusts me. You know, but it is what it is, so you know. It you know, hope you know, but it is what it is and also I gotta say this, you know, after two weeks of being a football champ I can honestly say it still feels good. <laughs> it still feels good. It still feels <laughs> unreal. Huh? I'm not, nothing. We're laughing at you, man. I mean, I mean, you know, it feels so good because it's like when you see an Eagles fan, another Eagles fan, it, there's no – I mean, you got some bandwagoners in there, but there, there's no bandwagon. I mean, what, what you know, what, what a dude – it's like, you know, it's like like – the, the, it's like the wait is over. It's like when you get that monkey off your back and you get the respect. And I see on, online, and, I'll, and get a shout out to the Cowboys fans. The respect that the Cowboys fans even give Eagles fans is unreal. Like I've never seen it before, you know. But um, you know, and some of them realize that it's like, all right, there's nothing I can really say right now. Some of them still ignorant. Some of them were gonna, you know, they're gonna, they when you say Jimmy, they're gonna fight on that lie. <laughs> oh, gotcha. oh, but... <laughs> so, oh, oh, yeah, some of them are still mad. They're mad at their team for, and Jerry Jones messed the team. They're also mad at the catch. And they're, they keep bringing up Dez Bryant, and it's different. It's like, oh, my gosh. The Coy Clement was a touchdown, you know, his, you know, and Zach Ertz was a runner. Dez Bryant was not a touchdown. Dez Bryant was a first down, and I'm probably one of the few – Eagle fans will probably say yes, it was a catch, but it was a first down catch. It wasn't a touchdown. It was he was, you know, like come on now. And By Jared, the rules, and Jared, I don't even think it was a catch. And and I already explained to you that the for me, if I was a ref, I would have called the Corey Clement touchdown back. But I saw a video where the ref was actually explaining it, and he did a good job explaining it. Like I said, if it was me, I would have probably called it back. But the ref said when the ball shifted in his hands, he it didn't shift the, like it shifted, but he still had control during the shift, kind of like when you catch it and then tuck it, that kind of thing. So I'm like, okay, if that's your, but the I, I, the, I, mean, I ain't answering I mean, nobody no more about the Ertz catch. That was easy, it, it, and it, it, nothing it, like but that. It, 
But it makes no sense about the control. I, I mean, it's like it's 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 like you know when people argue with these kids about you know catching with your hand instead of your body. I can go through all old videos on Randy Moss's catch. He caught nothing but with his body, you know, and he can catch better than T.O. I argue that to death. And um, T.O. got no hands. But, yeah, um, he all Somebody argued that, would you? Huh? Somebody said T.O. had better hands? No, no. I, I said Randy Moss had better hands. No, you said you argued it to death. I'm like, somebody actually argued that T.O. had better hands against you? No, no. No, but, but, but they, 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 they were a T.O. fanatic, but like, but 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 like, but but, but, but my, my my point is is like when he caught it's it's like the ball didn't the ball doesn't touch the ground, should it be a catch? And T and, and the NFL always tries to overcomplicate things, you know. All right, All right Rob, we we will holler at you next week, good brother. Thanks for your call as usual, man. All right, God bless y'all. Take care. Watch the movie, All right, man. You too, no doubt. All right, um, real quick, you know your man uh, Jello finally got his uh, signature shoe. Um, so shout out to Jello, he's a big baller now. Um, the the sneak peek of the G3 was there. There's no price around it yet, but considering Lonzo's are four ninety five and um, Melo's are three ninety five, I guess uh, <laughs> Levar gonna show Jello what he really think of him. His probably gonna be like one ninety five. But um, you saw the shoe, Jim. What, what did you think of it? I thought it was pretty dope. I mean, it looked it looked like uh, something else. I'm not sure what else. Um, cause to I, me, I'm it not looked really, like yeah. it, it. I think they did a really good job of like the shoe seems like Jello's personality to me. It looked like something that he would wear. So you know, That's in my opinion, they did a good job with that. Um, you know, not sure if it's gonna fall apart on you or nothing, like Lonzo's allegedly did, but. Shout out to Jello. All three of these dudes got their own signature shoe. Um, yes. Two of them, you know, well, all of them really, without before even making it to the NBA. So um, shout out to them for that. Uh, the NCAA stripped Louisville of all of his wins from 2011 to 2015, including that 2013 national championship for that sex scandal that we reported on some months back. Uh, they had appealed the the punishment that they got, but the NCAA upheld these sanctions um, in the wake of that sex scandal. I always see like this is always a shame because those times. I mean, you can't actually take away the times that happened. They're on video. They're in memory. But like the kids on these teams, the you know the young athletes. They suffer in the long run because of things that the organization did or things that the organization didn't control. So now you know you got a bunch of dudes who won a title back in 2013 and feel good about themselves for doing it. Now in the record books, it never even happened. And I always feel mm-hmm. sorry for the you know the former players when stuff like this, especially when it's the organization's fault. Like I always feel bad for them dudes, man. Yeah. You claim the fame was like I was an NCAA champion. They're like, no, you're not, my dude. Yeah, but my thing is like, everybody remembers you the champion though. Like, yeah, that whole I saw it happen. So. Is weird. <laughs> I saw it happen. It's I guess weird. the biggest like, person yeah. going to be punished is the coach because you know, coaching wins. That's a lot of wins that's going to get stripped. 
And yeah, it one is. Day, it is. One day you might be up there with the coaching greats, and then the next day you got as many wins. But it's also interesting because, like, when your when your story is told, whether it be like you know um, ESPN or any sort of, uh, they're going to always bring up your wins and say, well, such and such was taken back for this reason. Like, you can't take away what happened. You can try. Right. In the record book, your man Patino then went from, he done went from Coach K to Shaka Smart. <laughs> a number of wins. Like, shout out to Shaka. Yo, free Shaka. The Larry Shaka, the man. Free Shaka, yo. I don't know if we free him from, but, you know, we got free him anyway. I All thought right, Shaka so, was on way to being that this guy. Before we get deeper into this NBA stuff, a uh, quick stat of the week for you. And this stat revolves around uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, the San Antonio Spurs, and the All-Star game. LaMarcus Aldridge's selection to this year's NBA All-Star game extends the Spurs' streak of consecutive seasons with an All-Stars. I said an All-Stars with an all-star, at least one all-star, in in the years which the game was played, because you have to remember back in 98-99, uh, there was no game because that was the lockout-shortened season where the Spurs won their first championship. With um, that asterisk. The asterisk chip. Um, so 20 years, dating back 20 years to the 97-98 all-star game, the Spurs, they have by far the longest current streak um, for any NBA team with an all-star in each all-star game for the past 20 years. Um, the Pistons did it. They had at least one all-star selection in 29 straight seasons from 1950 through 1979. So shout-out to the Spurs, the NBA's model organization. We gonna, we got a few bars for the Spurs later on, though, about the current situation. But um, shout-out to, to them for having an all-star and that's funny because the Spurs are, you know, they're an organization where people kind of think, man, the players aren't always great, but the team is great and Popovich is great and all of that kind of stuff. But, hey, these dudes have, have had at least one all-star for the past 20 years. And, you know, in mm-hmm. that time, you know, you had, the, you had Kawhi, you had Tim, you had Tony Parker. Has Ginobili, Ginobili ever made an all-star team? I had uh, probably on, on a couple, um, and you had David Robinson. So even though it's a long streak, it really didn't take a lot of players to to do it. But they've had you know some some solid stars on the team long term, so that helps you get stuff like this. So shout out to the Spurs, shout out to Lamarcus Aldridge for keeping the streak alive, and shout out to whoever is a part of that streak. Uh, all right, so yeah, real quick, you guys can check out our website at worldroomsports.com. If you want to call in and speak with us about any NBA topics, dial the Digital Extreme Tech hotline at numbers 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted. If you're listening from your phone, just press 1 if you want to talk. You got it, Jess. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's time to talk about the NBA. This thing of ours. And that's brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies. Do you or your business need a custom website? Well, for dynamic, professional, and most of all, affordable website solutions, you got to hit up Digital Extreme Tech. Listen, you but can call them Wix? at 267. I can do Yo, if you got one of those sites, if you got a website, kill yourself. Yo, you can get, you can oh. get up Digital Extreme Tech. 
at 267-205-4203 or visit them on the web at digitalextremetech.com. Um, they hooked our site up, and our site is fire. That's warmsports.com. So definitely holler at Digital Extreme Tech. And we definitely want to thank them for their support of our podcast. That's digitalextremetech.com. Now it's time to talk about um, let's talk about some of the results from this past uh, weekend. You know, we have the Mountain Dew Kickstart Rising Stars uh, in Mojang, boy. You know what I'm saying? Um, the world, the world uh, dominated. Um, and, you know, it was interesting watching it. I remember I watched it. Actually, me and Dev watched the game together, and Dev was talking about how the world keeps dominating because American basketball sucks. So the floor is yours to go in on American basketball. But I mean, you got some oh, bars, yeah. No doubt. Like, I, I kind of – I expected the world to win. I didn't know they were just going to smash him like this. And shout out to, to Boyan Bogdanovich from the from the uh, Kings for winning the MVP. In these type of games, they could pretty much go to anybody because everybody's getting off. But, um, yeah, man, to me, it means a little bit more. Some people may not take it as seriously, but I think – that it it definitely shows something, man. It shows that the coaching and the level of fundamentals um, that that young kids are learning outside of the United States are better than you know what they're learning inside the United States. You always hear people, um, including some NBA players like Kevin Kevin Garnett, former NBA player, take shots at the AAU system and how it's destroying our game because they're just looking at the best athletes and the best natural players and they're putting them together but there's not a lot of coaching and teaching going on they're just trying to win because there's money involved in that just like there is at the college level just like there is at the nba level so they're not getting the same kind of background kind of like when we used to talk about black quarterbacks and how they've lived their whole life on their athleticism so coaches coach them differently because they're looking at you know different set of weapons and they're just worrying about winning rather than teaching this person, you know, how to play at the next level. So, you know, those are the thoughts that I had about that and and, and why the world is just, you know, kicking the U.S.'s ass in this game. I know. It's crazy, though, because, like, um, when, when when you get to this level, like, if I, if I think about the top five players in the, in, the, in the league, none of them will be from the world. They would all be from still here. Um, right. You know, and, and a lot of it is because coaches feel like, yo, just give me the best athlete and I can coach him up. Um, and AAU probably is ruining a game, but it's probably ruining a game for a lot of other reasons outside of just the coaching and fundamentals. Because um, to me, to me what's interesting is, like, and, and, and it's, a, it's a bigger conversation, is about the whole idea of sports entertainment. <clears throat> I know right. I mentioned and saying it jokingly, but I'm definitely not really joking, is that, you know, Vince McMahon has affected culture so much because, I mean, he's he's taking uh, something like you know, which is wrestling, to this you know, distinguish it from wrestling, and made it a publicly traded billion dollar company by integrating entertainment and sports. I mean, you look at what ESPN is, it's sports and entertainment. And I think that as I look over the, like over sports over the last couple of years, I think it's like, it's, it's like the pendulum to the entertainment side, and I think that's a lot of like you know the whole thing with AAU because it's not about the fundamentals. It's about can you entertain me? Because you can be fundamentally sound, you can be the San Antonio Spurs, but 
I don't want to, I don't care to see you play. I want to see people jump over people and dunk on people and then pull up from half court like um Lamelo does. Like that's what I want to see in terms of entertainment. And, and, so and Jim, for what they're charging for these AAU games, Jones better be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. So it's like the, the NBA is, is 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 maybe more guilty of this than uh the NFL. The NFL really hasn't gone full entertainment yet. They're still about the game, so to speak, and uh, same with baseball. But the NBA has fully embraced the whole entertainment aspect. Um, See, you know, and, so, and they do, but then, you know, they're so quick to start. I don't know. I don't want to say mandating, but this is, they're they're quick to just start saying things when the feedback isn't what they expected to be. Like the, like the game this year. I mean, we could talk about that because we're on that part. Um, of course, uh, Team LeBron won, and uh, LeBron James won the MVP. But the game was way more competitive this year. Now the NBA wants their players to say that oh, the new format was the reason why the game was competitive. But that's BS because, you know, if you have any type of inside information, if you've been reporting on this and, and reading up on this like we have, I mean, you know that the league actually said something to them about how last year was a boiling point and the game really got out of hand with no one playing defense and the score being like 190 to 190. You know what I'm saying? It just really wasn't competitive at all, and it showed that guys weren't trying. I I fully guarantee, and of course I won't be able to prove it because the format actually did change, so now they're going to run with it because they're, they're trying to sell it as if the format had anything to do with the competition. I fully would have expected the game to be just as competitive if they did the East-West format because of what they – you know, basically said to the players after last season. Like, so you hear everybody in their interviews now, like, yeah, we're taking pride in it. And the media, I guess the media who's down for the NBA, the media who gets paid by the NBA, they try to lead all of these interviews. Like, well, yeah, with the new format, like how did that play into the competitive fire? And you can kind of see what they were doing, but – I, I, I fully guarantee if they did the regular format, the game would have still been as competitive just because of the outrage after last season. But with that being said, I, you know, I like the, the, I like the format just because you get certain guys that are able to play together that wouldn't usually get to play together because of the conference format. Um, it, it at least made for an interesting game because those guys got to pick the team. So there's no excuses mm-hmm. after you pick the team. So that's <laughs> ball. As Fergie yeah. would say, let's play some basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that's just this – man, listen, I, I give them credit for doing something, though, because at the end right. of the day, like, everything runs its course. And the All-Star game is one of those things where, I mean, to me, at this point, the whole weekend has run its course. But right. they keep trying to do different things. Um, they pretty much ruined the three-point contest, in my opinion, with that one whole rack full of money ball nonsense. But, I mean, they're trying the different team. things. I always give people credit for trying. Some stuff will stick, some stuff won't. And, you know, sort of like we talked about Fergie, it's a risk-reward. Sometimes you try stuff <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just fails. But, hey, like this, if they, if they didn't score a touchdown on a Philly special and the, the ball was batted down or whatever. But the worst play call ever. Cold, it was the worst play call ever, but the fact of the matter is, the the doing. Off, 
Yeah, so, so that's sometimes that's what happens in life, man. So the new analogy is some of y'all need to do some more Philly specials in your life, man. Take chances, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> young, you know, the dude out there, whatever, you know what I mean? Give him the – give him, no, let me shut up. Anyway, um – No doubt. But next year it what? definitely has to be televised. Some of the dudes, I think Chris Webber and them, they even went as far as to say, pick teams before the game. Like, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, well, how can they do that? I'm like, hey, they got enough money. Get these dudes – Maybe everybody on the all-star team wear the same color shorts and everybody gets the, the, the issue shorts. And then, like Chris Webber said, get them dudes their jerseys as they're being picked. I guess you have whoever's out there get two jerseys and whichever team they get picked for, you hand them that jersey and they go down to their bench. That might be a pretty cool idea because they waste a bunch of time prior to the game anyway. Like Kevin Hart is my man. He's from Philly PSP. But that was trash. Like his introductions took like 20 minutes and they weren't funny, and they weren't at all professional. Like, that time that they wasted doing all of that could have been the time these dudes out here picking their team like they out at the playground. Hand these dudes their jerseys, they run to the bench, let's get it in. <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty fire. I would, yeah, I mean, I would actually love that. Yeah, it, it would, you know, even if the game ended up being trash, at least we saw something entertaining before the game. <laughs> at least we saw the teams getting picked. At least we saw the person's face, who you know, who got picked later than they thought they should have, and they came out gunning because they had a chip on their shoulder. At least we could see all that, but they try to keep everything so politically correct. They didn't even want LeBron and them to tell people, you know, who was picked where because they don't want to hurt mm-hmm. feelings. But I ain't got time for feelings. <laughs> but, but definitely shout-out to that. Shout-out to, to – to the to my namesake Devin Booker for edging out Clay Thompson in the three point contest. Clay was my pick. Shout out to the ball Spencer Dinwiddie, who I'm watching right now, um, point guard from Brooklyn, who uh, won the skills competition. He was my pick. Um, overall, you know, pretty good weekend. I think the dunk contest it goes back and forth every year, like. One year we saying, oh, the dunk contest is trash, and then everybody the next year say, the dunk contest is back. Um, Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, you know, definitely had a it's back year. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This year, like Donovan Mitchell and Larry Nance Jr. both wanted to be other players so much. Like they were more focused on whose jersey they were going to wear for the next dunk than the dunk being something – creative that we've never seen but I don't know if there's anything out there left that we haven't seen and I'm and that's because of you know YouTube I'm not even talking about just from this dunk contest because the most impressive dunks I've ever seen weren't from NBA players so so I I don't know if there's anything left but (laughs) I mean we're out there tripping with the 50s before they came in there like taking a full seat and dunking we thought the same thing yeah. But um, any yeah, anything to you stand out about the weekend? Um, not really. To be honest with you, I, I mean, you know, you always you always enjoy the energy around the All Star Game and the game being celebrated as a game. Um, right. The only thing that really thing that stood out to me the most, honestly, to be completely transparent with you, was Shaq and Kobe. Um, no doubt. And. Not, not Quavo? Me because 
and Kobe, Shaq and Kobe stood out to me the most because it was like, of course, I know these guys are both retired. It's like, yo, to see these guys talk like I used to see, like when I, when I came up, like you know, Magic and Bird were still playing, so you would see guys like Wilt and Russell talk, and they would talk about their heyday and how great it was, and you can only imagine. Because I'm sitting there watching Shaq and Kobe, and I'm like, yo, I watched that. There's kids out there right now who are like, man, I can only imagine, like, you know, Shaq and Kobe playing the Queens. Like, it was a realization for one <laughs> that I'm old, I'm old, I'm old AF. These dudes are really done. Like, part of me was like, you know, Kobe be bad. But they, these dudes are really, like, old now. Like, so. Yeah. And also to hear them tell their stories and nothing really new come from it. Um, because. Right. It's Shaq like a, it's like a rap was, battle and... that we followed from the very first bar. We know everything, <laughs> but to see them sit down and talk about it was 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 pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but it's like nothing new came from it. Like Shaq is who we thought he was, and Kobe is who we thought he was, and everything they said is kind of like we already knew. But it still was entertaining to watch them do that. And then you know, also as we were sitting there watching it, we started thinking about how many other feuds or arguments or things that have happened in the, in the history of the game where they could possibly, like, make this a full show now. We saw Magic Isaiah. You know what I mean? Then the joke, the running joke was, was Isaiah only, like, six, seven episodes. Right, because he had beef with everybody. He got to, he got to do one with Bird. <laughs> he got to do one with yeah. Michael Jordan. He might have to do one with yeah. the whole Dream Team. The whole Dream Team going to sit down and say why they didn't want him on the team. So, yeah, this is going to turn into yeah. players only, the Isaiah Thomas show. But, no, I, 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 think it's, I, think it's, I think it's very well done. I mean, that was an interesting conversation just to hear their perspectives face-to-face because we always hear people's perspective. And, you know, you think a lot of times when we heard Kobe talk about things, you're like, Kobe acting tough because he's not saying that in Shaq's face, but – he didn't really seem to back down off of how he actually felt. I mean, he knows at this point he's not going to get punched in the face, but yeah. Shaq was kind of being nice Shaq, a nice Shaq that you didn't really see back then. Shaq was always a, a funny dude, a clown, but when it came to that thing with he and Kobe, you know, he always seemed serious. But Shaq, you know, he mentioned several times, I was always the big marketer. So even when I knew yeah. it wasn't as bad as people thought it was, I had to keep that feud going because it was actually good for the game. So I feel that, mm-hmm. and I kind of believe him, you know, when he says that. Um, yeah, because like, cause at some point you can't even be mad at somebody. Like, why do you care at this point? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, at some point you have to, like, not care, but Shaq still would, like, say his little stuff. So, you know, it, 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 and the thing about it is we, some guys recognize it and understand how to use it and, and in terms of the attention you get from being an athlete and knowing that the media is, is – they love beef and feuds. Um, right. See, and that's I think the Shaq thing between these two, because Shaq, the master marketer, knew how he could use it just for his brand. Kobe's obsessive ass realized how he could use it to motivate himself to be an even better basketball player. So it worked, it worked out for both dudes because Shaq and Kobe stay rich beyond his means. But Kobe, yeah, he, he takes stuff way too far. Yeah, Kobe. Kobe is. You know, Kobe wants up bodying himself. Kobe like my daughter drank all the last bit of milk. I use that as motivation for me to go get like. Oh, come on, cuz. It's basically the Kobe rule. Everything in life is motivation. You just got to figure out a way to make it motivate you. That's the new. That's the uh, the Kobe theory. Kobe theory is everything in life is motivation, man. I don't matter what it is. 
You know what I mean? Kobe's like, my wife didn't text me back fast enough. That's motivation for me to go to Colorado. No, no. I'm going to chill. I'm going to chill there. Yeah. That's, yeah. The boys so, are very obsessive and, you know, you were like, just chill yeah. sometimes, homie. But you, you know, having that conversation, you can understand where both dudes were coming from with with why, you know, they went through what they went through, but they maintain, and, you know, Shaq could tell you to this day, we're still the most dominant one-two punch in NBA history. And, you know, whether you believe that or not, they're in the argument, as Jimmy would say, they're at the table of duo gods. So, um, and, I, you know, I also appreciate what Kobe said. Kobe, Kobe kept it so, so official when he was like, look, right. ain't no way to really prove it. I mean, we can just make the argument, but anyway, really prove it. And and that's and that's kind of like the the whole purpose. You can't prove some of this stuff, but all you right. can do is put your name in that combo where you say something, you be like, yeah, 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 they were good. You know what I mean? Like that's all you can do. That's all you can do is put your name in the conversation. There's no way to ever prove it. Um, you know, because and Kobe was also like giving uh, a lot of the uh, the Kobe uh, fanboys a lot of ammunition too, because he was saying like stuff. Yo, first of all. Shaq was like talking about throwing shade and sending shots. Like he was disrespecting everybody. Barbecue chicken. <laughs> he gonna pick me. He's barbecue chicken. Like, he was disrespecting people. Yeah. But Kobe was more subliminal with it. Like like in terms of the whole comparison with him and Jordan. Like I mean, Mike never won nothing without Scotty. So you know, I mean, I won without you. I mean, like we, I know what that is, Kobe. That's your way of putting it out there. Like I still, I still think I'm better than Mike. That's what you're saying. You know and he definitely, I mean, because, yeah. you know, I understand the point he was making, but I also understand the shade that that was thrown at the same time. Because he's like, you know, he was basically saying he didn't want that moniker, that whole he couldn't win without Shaq. He felt that it was unfair. And, you know, I, I, I thought, I've, I've always thought it was unfair as well because people got so personal with these guys. And it was like, pick one. And the one that you don't pick, you got to hate the other one. So if you love Shaq, then you just can't give Kobe any props. And if you love Kobe, mm-hmm. then you're going to do everything to diminish Shaq. Like, bottom line, what they said was true. They were one of the most dominant duos that you're going to ever see in the game. But you understand from an individual perspective how, especially, like, from Kobe's perspective, you don't want your whole legacy tied to this dude. So yeah. it was good that they both got to leave. You know, they both got to do, you know, have some success without each other. So it wouldn't be tied to each other like that. Shaq would have never gotten that moniker anyway because people just believe finals MVPs are the end-all, be-all, and it tells you everything you need to know about, you know, mm-hmm. how a season went. But um, it was a very good conversation. I thought Magic and Isaiah had a really good conversation too. Um, Shaq threw some shade at them too when he apologized to Kobe at the end. He was like, look – I'm going to apologize to you for all of this because I really do think I messed something up. But he's like, we ain't going to be over here crying like Magic and Isaiah. Like, <laughs> I was like, you know, Magic yeah. and Isaiah had the ugly, well, especially Isaiah, he had the ugly cry. But theirs was more personal. Yeah, but, yeah you know exactly. Theirs they was, didn't play together. So their, their whole beef different. was like well, close friends. So you can understand why it was a little bit, bit more emotional. Because I mean, as much as Shaq yeah, and Kobe been through, they still won three chips together. <laughs> yeah, these, these Magic and Isaiah like was talking about like how's your brother doing? Like they kind of like, they right, had a right. relationship where they're families with each other. 
So, but it, but it was interesting too because like I saw a bunch of Kobe fans on Twitter that same night talking about you know like yeah you know Mike he never won with they ran with that whole thing I like he just set that alley oh, right up for them and they started going in I was like yeah that's crazy it's crazy but I mean Kobe basically looked at the camera to his stands like now get him <laughs> yeah yeah more more or less more or less more or less in terms of one two punches though so to be completely honest. And and I know a lot, of my, a lot of my Laker Nation is going to kill me with this, but um, because obviously people know that I'm a Magic fan, and you know I'm a Laker, a Laker guy. But I honestly, still to me, one two punch, I'm with Mike and Scotty, and I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why with, with, with all the greatness that I've seen, and it is a lot of one two punches. You can go back in history and look at tons and tons of one two punches. But what's interesting to me about Mike and Scotty is. They did it on both sides. Like, I've seen Mike and Scotty just locked down defensively. Like, yo, like, take yeah. two sides of the court and just lock the court. Like, and, um, you know, Shaq, Shaq played defense with Shaq. He never been, I mean, you know, he, he was big and athletic. He never really locked down. I mean, Kobe could play defense. But I've seen Mike and Scotty in their prime. And that's the thing. They both were in their prime around the same time, just locked down defensively. And it's like, damn, you can't score. And I, I mean, that's, that's definitely a good point. Uh, the, the, what I would say for Kobe and Shaq was, like, Shaq, Shaq locked down people out of fear sometimes when he wasn't even giving full mm-hmm. effort. People used to just be afraid to go down there with Shaq. And, you know, Kobe, for a good stretch of his career, had that pride about him with his defense. The only thing, the reason why, and I'm not going to say not give their props because a lot of people would say that. But I think the people who wouldn't say that, I think they just don't look at Scotty as being a superstar on the level of Kobe and Shaq, Magic and um, Kareem. And, and yeah, like, I crazy. just don't think they look at Scotty as being an equal. You know what I'm saying? Everybody it, else, it, I think it, these duos are an equal, but nobody's going to look at Scotty as an equal of Mike. You know, it's crazy because I honestly believe that, like, like I, I, I look at him like that. I recognize Pippen's brilliance because, like, as someone who grew up watching the game, like, religiously and breaking down everything, Scotty was, Scotty was a better defender than Michael for one. And for two, I feel like I feel like Scotty wouldn't have become the player that he did become if not for Michael. So I can't say if you remove him. But I think that once he, once he got that and, and recognized his talent and came into his own, I think he could have been the number one guy on another team. Now, we all know that, you know, when they left, the whole thing with him and Coach and not getting a shot and all that, like, we know about that. But, I mean, that's still, he still dominated that season, though. Like, you know, but the thing is, there's always that thing where I honestly don't believe he would have come into that if not for – because, I mean, you're working with a guy who's obsessive as well, which, you know, but a lot of people play with Michael Jordan who didn't become Scottie Pippen. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just that he played with Michael or Mike pushed him. Mike pushed him, but he had something – that enabled him to, like, you know, come into his own. So I think that Michael Jordan is kind of responsible for him. But once he came into his own, Scotty was a monster, yo. Like, no, and, and I tell people this all the time. I remember, and I tell people this all the time to get mad when I say this. I remember when the Lakers played the Bulls in that first finals, in that first game, Magic gave Mike everything he wanted. And after that <laughs> second game, when they, put, they, they switched and put Pippen on him, and then the Bulls ran off four straight. Like, it was just that simple. Like, Scotty was, like, at his apex, and his defense was crazy. And, you know, his ability, like, just to play on the wing. But my point in saying that is, 
um, in terms of a one-two punch at their peak, uh, you know what I mean? And the thing about Magic and Kareem is I don't think they ever played with both they of them at their played. peak. Right, they never played at both of their primes before, so yeah, that's definitely. And, and to be honest, and, and to be honest with you, I don't even think Shaq and Kobe did. I think Kobe reached his prime when Shaq left, when Kobe like you know really came into his own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like around that second run, I think is when Kobe really, really reached his prime. I think when, I think twenty four is when he reached his prime, where he was just that dominant guy. So I don't think they even played in their prime. And that's another thing when the great tandems, whether you're talking about. Jerry what West I, and, and and Wilt Chamberlain and and they like they, they didn't play in their prime. That's the thing about Mike and Scotty; they both were in their prime at the same time. And the thing, you know, when people speak on Kobe and Shaq, um, I, I I I think it's disrespectful when a lot of people say, "Oh, Shaq could have did that with with any good two guard," and they start naming people, Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah. What, what did we hear this weekend? Eddie Jones. Uh, not you know. Yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah, ignore yeah. the fact that Eddie Jones was the starting guard there, and they got swept out of the playoffs three years before, yeah. you know, before Kobe came into his own and Phil got there. But you know, and I'm an Eddie Jones fan. Love Eddie Jones, but like, damn. How people is this? Really? <laughs> Kobe did that with Kobe, Eddie. They got swept Kobe out of the playoffs played. three straight years with Eddie. <laughs> Here's what I say, and this is my honest opinion. And again, this is all speculation because none of us can prove this. You know, either way. But I feel like if Kobe never came, I think Shaq would have ended up maybe winning one title just because he was that big, that dominant. Yeah, I, I don't I think, think Shaq would have went ringless. Yeah, I think by Kobe coming, they run off three straight. Like, I don't think they run off three straight without Kobe there. But I think Shaq, you know, Shaq, like, fails into a ring by mistake, sort of like LeBron does. Like, I'm thinking, LeBron is so good that he fails into rings. Right, I think like I think I agree with that as well, but I think the makeup of that team would have been Shaq and a bunch of good players, not Shaq and mm-hmm. a, another great player. You know what I'm saying? Like that that type of duo. I think Shaq would have just had they would have had to craft a perfect team around him with dudes playing their roles um instead of them just okay, let's overwhelm these teams because we got Damn near the two best players in basketball by at least by like the 2001, maybe the, maybe the, the finals against the Sixers or maybe the next year against the Nets. By that time, they had arguably two of the top five players in basketball. And so, here's the thing, though, all of the other guys you would name, whether they're talking about Penny, whether they're talking about Ray Allen, all these other two guards, like they're not on Kobe's level because Kobe is yeah, like even if you take away the whole shot, they had a shot at it. Penny and Eddie had a shot at it. With Shaq. Yeah, and, and these people talk about T-Mac, but the thing about all of these guys is these guys have had opportunities, like, without Shaq. Without Shaq. He literally proved himself without Shaq. And also, Kobe was an MVP of this league. I don't think any of those guys that we're talking about were an MVP of this league. Right. You know what I mean? This is, this, is, this is like, you know, without Shaq, he was an MVP of this league. So I think that, and to his point, I think that that kind of is what puts well, his separate, legacy where it is. AI. Because I've heard AI too. Yeah, yeah, AI is an MVP, and you know, but uh, AI AI was a little uh, too short to box with God. But um, because the funny thing is, Kobe Kobe said it though. Kobe said, "Yo, if Allen Iverson was six five, everybody'd be in trouble." Um, yeah. He said we were all lucky he wasn't six five. Pretty much. So, um, you know, that, that was interesting. That was like one of the biggest things. Before we get out of here, though, I got to ask you about this though. So, Luke Jack and Kobe, that was a good uh, episode. And I hope they do. Um, I just want to see Jalen and Chris Webber. I think Webber got a little bit of bitch assness in him, and I want to see that come out on the uh, 
Yeah. You know, you know how so hard they would have to, to beg to get Weber to even do that? Yeah, because he, he know that he got he know he got the chances. He don't want to get exposed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the thing about magic right now. The thing about magic and um Isaiah, Shaq and Kobe, they were very transparent. I don't think Weber's at the point where he would be transparent. Nah, he ain't ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, what I want to ask you about though is uh JJ Reddick, man. You heard of the JJ Reddick thing with that racial slur? You know what I mean? When he was sleeping yeah. up, uh, the such... JJ tripping. JJ tripping. If you guys didn't hear it. Bunch of players were saying, you know, Happy Chinese New Year to the fans over in China. And JJ said, Happy Chink Chinese New Year to the fans over in China. But then when he was called out on it, he tried to act like everybody else was tripping. Like, I'm appalled that y'all would even think that I would say something like that. When I listened to it four or five times, he clearly said that. And it didn't sound like he was stuttering trying to say Chinese or whatever he tried to say. It just sounded like he tried to throw something in there that he didn't think anybody was going to, you know, maybe it was, a, you know, something funny with one of his teammates. But, yeah, he, he, he got caught out there. So, J.J. got some splaining to do, as they say. <laughs> he definitely said it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, that, that was <laughs> – that was crazy. Because, I mean, for him to just try to, he should have just, just apologized, man. He's bugging. He's bugging, man. He's bugging. Last thing but not least, though, I got to ask you about this, though. Um, Your opinion on this whole situation with the Spurs and Kawhi. Um, you think Kawhi's done there? That's all I want to know. You think he's done with the Spurs? Man, it's, it's looking like it. it I, I don't, I can't make, I don't know what to make of the situation, but it seems like there's some distrust somewhere. He's been medically cleared to play. He's been getting second opinions, and he's not playing. Popovich, which he really doesn't do, comes out publicly and says, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if Kawhi doesn't play this season. Once it gets to that point, you think that there's more to the story than we're being let on. So um, I don't know. I think he signed to till the 2019 season. Maybe mm-hmm. he's done. I don't know. But we definitely got yeah, to Dive a little deeper into that in the, in the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah. The hell is the hopefully, 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 we'll get some more information on that as the week goes on. But it's time to get out of here. Thank you, brother. Right, real quick, Jim, shout out to today. Jimmy Butler, man, yeah. for resting during the All Star game and not giving somebody else a chance to get in the game. <laughs> oh yeah, Probably. no doubt, no doubt. You had the spot for no reason. Yeah, you know I mean, but <laughs> anyway. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us for another briefing in the war room. Shout out to everybody in the chat room, those on Facebook, Twitter, and the WRS Game Time. We appreciate all that. Listen, the people that called in and got through, we appreciate those who couldn't get um, get on the air. We apologize. But tune in next week, live right here on demand. And we'll catch you up on everything that's happening in the world of sports. So until then, enjoy your week, the rest of your week, which is a day, your weekend, and enjoy sports this, uh, this upcoming week. Watch the NBA so you can talk about it with us next week. Catch all of our conversations, Facebook, Twitter, everything we do can be found at the hub. The hub is warroomsports.com. You can pick up my book, Sports to Book, at sportstobook.com or at that same hub, which is warroomsports.com. Listen, we always tell you guys, don't accept mediocrity. Be steadfast in a war against ignorance, and we'll see you jump on top. Jimmy.
know the blueprint. Yo, every Thursday, six to eight, they do this. Shout out to Dez, PJ, B. Austin, Doc Bay on replay. War Room Sports. Com. Get that mobile app, it's knocked out Call it 323, working double 012 They be going and you sensitive, then oh well yeah. Physical podcast, let's talk sports uh. Showtime like magic in the block push magic. Listen live, push one to join in Rip your team or listen for your enjoyment Hip-hop dollars, pit-stop knowledge uh. Should be in sports credits, I ain't talking college Five guys, no beef though Corporate secrets, but the streets know. Bellafani, I got a chief flow. KC, royalty, I'm in beast mode. Two hours, get your game up. Who's the best in sports cast? You better name us. War Room Sports. Sports, www.warroomsports.com. What? Ain't no more to it.